everyone. I am excited to kick off our new series through the book of Psalms today. This is one of my absolute favorite books of the Bible. Uh, probably the book of the Bible I have underlined, highlighted, written in the margins of the most. And one of the reasons I love Psalms so much is because it's a collection of 150 uh, poems, hymns, their prayers, written uh, not by man to man, like every other book in the Bible, but written by man to God. Psalms provides us with an intimate look at a human being's conversation with the divine. About half of the Psalms were written by King David and the other half written by at least six other authors that we know of, probably more. And these songs, they've been used in personal and corporate worship to God by Jews and Christians for over 3,000 years now. Like, I think that's pretty remarkable to think about the fact that these are the same songs that Jesus would have had committed to memory and sung on a daily basis. Like if Spotify existed back in the first century, the Psalms would have been Jesus's primary playlist. And what I love most about the Psalms is they speak about human experience in an honest and freeing way. Like they span the whole spectrum of human emotions. When, when we read the Psalms, we are met with joy and gratitude, with restlessness and uncertainty, uh, peace, depression, outrage, anxiety, contentment, fear, hope. This honest and at times dramatic communication is so refreshing because so often in human conversation, we attempt to cover up our true emotions, don't we? Like we hold back, we refrain, we adjust to whatever emotional response we think is socially acceptable in the moment. I mean, think of the last time that you walked past someone and they, they said, hey, how you doing? Now, I realize with shelter in place for many of us that it could have been a month since that last happened. But still, we all know the correct response in that moment is good. Like regardless of how you're actually feeling in that moment, the response is good. Because the reality is, hey, how you doing? It just means hi. It's like there's this social contract we've all agreed to. It's call and response. Uh, how are you? Good. You? Good. And then we both move on with our day. But man, the Psalms, they show us a way to interact with a God who actually wants to know the answer to that question. The Psalms assure us that when we pray and we worship, we're not expected to censor or deny the deepness of our own human experience. Rather, we are able to bring that to God not only a God who can handle like the full spectrum of our emotions, but, but he also is the one who created within us the ability to feel those things in the first place. And he's a God who delights in knowing all of who we are. I mean, the Psalms show us that God doesn't just want the happy parts of you. No, God, he, he wants to be able to empathize and connect with you so badly that he chose to come here and experience all of what it means to be human for you. God wants to interact with the real and genuine you. And so my hope, my prayer for each of us over these next seven weeks is that we would come exactly as we are with whatever emotions we're currently feeling, no matter how drastic those might change from day to day or let's be honest, even hour to hour, and we would bring that before our good and our loving God openly. 
trustingly and see what he would want to speak to us right now in this time and space. You know, as you read through the Psalms, you'll quickly see that there are resounding themes evident throughout. Themes about who God is, his character, his work in this world, uh, themes about what it means to be human, our purpose, uh, how we relate to one another and to God. And so for each week of this series, instead of focusing on one specific psalm, we are actually going to study a particular theme found in the psalms. And the hope is by the end of this series that we'll have a more holistic understanding of these 150 songs and even a desire to, to study, to memorize, to sing, to pray, to meditate on these songs every day, just like the psalmist who originally wrote them did and, and like billions of believers have done since. And so today we're going to kick things off by focusing on the theme of seeking the Lord. Seeking after God, it's language you'll hear Christians use frequently, even today, uh, typically to describe someone who, who wouldn't really call themselves a Christian, uh, but they're interested in knowing more about God. We might say that, that they're searching, they're seeking. Maybe you're joining us today and, and that's where you're at. You're, you're still checking out this whole God thing. And if that's you, man, I'm so glad that you're joining us. Sometimes we use this type of language, like if a church is focused on reaching people who don't have a relationship with God, uh, they might be labeled as seeker sensitive. And we use these terms and it, and in a sense implies that like God is lost, like that he, he's just elusive. Maybe he just likes playing hide and go seek. Isn't it true that we even use similar discovery language when we talk about our own decision to follow Jesus, right? We might say something like, I found Jesus. And although that is true, the irony is that unlike when we're kids and we play hide and go seek and the seeking stops once we find who it is we were looking for, the psalmists, they teach us that when we initially find God, that's not the end of our seeking. It's actually the beginning of it. R.C. Sproul is a 20th century American theologian and he says, seeking God is the result of faith, not the cause of it. Okay, think about that. Seeking God, it didn't start my journey with God. It is the journey. Seeking God is a daily, continual endeavor that spans like the entirety of life for every follower of Jesus. And as we read through the Psalms, we'll see that the psalmists, they believe this to be true as well. Today, we'll start by looking at Psalm 27. And, and this is a Psalm by King David. And look at verse four. In it, David says, one thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek his temple. Okay, fight the urge right now to like hear these super biblical words and lose the context. Can you imagine actually feeling like, man, all I want to do is to seek the Lord like every day to gaze at his beauty. Like that's a huge statement. Really, David, like all the days of your life? But man, jump down to verse eight. He continues on. My heart says of you, 
Seek his face. In your face, Lord, I will seek. It's David again in Psalm 63, uh, where during a period of his life where David, he's actually living life on the run. He, he, King Saul is, is, is uh, pursuing him, trying to kill him. And David, he's in the desert and he sings this. You, God, are my God. Earnestly, I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you. In a dry and parched land where there is no water, I've seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory because your love is better than life. My lips will glorify you. It's David again in Psalms 105 verse 4 where he says, Look to the Lord and his strength. Seek his face always. Or some translations say, Seek his face always continually. You know, the Hebrew word for face in these Psalms, uh, it's commonly translated to presence. To seek God's face means that we are to seek his presence. Perhaps more so than at any other time in our lives, we are acutely aware right now in this moment of our history, uh, how important face-to-face connection is. Am I right? Like when we are face to face with someone, we have an ability to to see, to know them, to be known by them that can't be duplicated through other means. I mean, it's, it's one of the primary reasons why the shelter in place is so challenging because you just can't replace face to face connection. When we're looking someone in the face, we're focused on that person. We, we're, we're prepared to actively listen to whatever it is they have to say. And there's a deeper level of connectedness that results. This is why seeking God's face, pursuing his presence, it was such a constant focus. But not just for David and the other psalmists. No, it was a constant focus all throughout scripture for Moses, Jacob, Hannah, Isaiah, Mary Magdalene. Jesus himself even lived this out. In fact, one of the final instructions Jesus gave to his disciples on the night before he was crucified was coaching on how vital it was for them to abide in him, to live life in and aware of God's presence. Because it's God's presence where we experience safety, joy, peace, direction, wisdom, strength. And it's, it's in God's presence where I feel most able to be myself, where I can put my guard down and man, I can just share exactly what I'm thinking and feeling. It's in God's presence where all of my striving, it just it's, can cease. And I can give my anxieties, I can give my worries over to God and I can trust him with those. This Tuesday, is the two-year marker of my brother John's sudden death. And anyone who has journeyed through grief, you know like the wide range, the drastic expressions of emotion that that road, that journey brings. I mean, if it wasn't, if it wasn't for God's presence in my life, I don't know how I would have gotten through those darkest moments. Like, 
those moments when I don't even have words to utter, like I'm broken, the grief is overwhelming. It's suffocating, yet it's like there in God's presence that I find comfort in the midst of it all. God's presence is so good. But you know, God's presence, it's not just for those significant life-altering moments. No, God's presence is also something we experience in the mundane, in the everyday moments of life. Like, I mean, just this past week, just a couple days ago, I'm hanging outside with my boys in the morning while Garrett is on a work call. And I'm feeling a bit anxious, like I'm, I'm wanting to start working on my sermon more. I hadn't quite finished it yet. And Hudson, he's bringing out all these pillows and these blankets from inside so that he can create what he calls a nest um, outside in the grass. And he turns to me and he says, Mom, you can come here and rest with me. He says, just stop what you're doing and rest. And man, in that, like that moment, I just felt the peace of God's presence. And so I go over there and I, and I lay down in the nest and I close my eyes and I start breathing deeply and I can feel like the warmth of the sun on my face and my anxiousness just like melts away there in God's presence. And then that like beautiful moment is quickly disrupted when Hudson says, ew, why does it smell like green beans? Like, that's just four-year-olds for you. So let me ask you a question. And I'd encourage you uh, to even answer it right now in the chat room. Do you experience God's presence in your life? Do you experience God's presence? Now, I think it's important to note that there are two ways of thinking about Uh, God's presence. First is in the sense that God is what we call omnipresent, meaning that he's always near to everything and everyone. This is what David communicates in Psalm 139 when he says, where can I go from your presence? If I go to heaven, you're you're there. If I am in the depths of the earth, you are there. God's presence is all around us and we are experiencing God's presence, whether we're aware of it or not. Even if you wouldn't consider yourself a Christian, I would bet you've experienced the presence of God in your life. God's presence is all around us. But the second way of thinking about God's presence, and it's what I want to focus on today, is in the sense of being aware of and experiencing that presence in a tangible way. And so let me ask you again, do you experience God's presence in your life? If the answer is no or not really, not that often, well, then ask yourself, why? Why is that? You see, I believe the two primary reasons Christians don't seek God's presence is because, one, we don't make it a priority, or two, we don't know how. And so I want to spend the rest of our time together talking about those two things. You know, it was only a month ago when I would have said that the reason we don't make seeking God's presence a priority is because we're too busy, right? We, we live in a fast-paced culture. There's this never-ending number of things vying for our focus and our attention. And I would have given my list of excuses, many of which would be completely valid. But all that's kind of out the window now, huh? 
So why is it that even though my normal day-to-day -day life has been completely disrupted for a month now, all the things that kept me so consumed, so busy, they've been paused, why is it that I still haven't been able to reprioritize things? and figure out how to more intentionally seek God's presence each and every single day. And maybe you're asking yourself the same thing. I know I'm not the only one who struggles with this. You know, it wasn't until this week when I was talking to my friend David, who's a Christian psychologist, and he said something that changed my thinking. He said, busyness is not the problem, it's just the symptom." The real issue is that our default wiring as human beings is to solve problems. That becomes our main focus. And so even though life has drastically changed for many of us this past month, we're still too busy. Just now it's in different ways. And man, that was like, that was like an aha moment for me because it's so true, at least for me, like even though all the change that, even, even, even in the midst of all the change that COVID-19 has caused, like, I'm still busy. I'm still exhausted and overwhelmed and trying to keep up pace, but it's just in different ways. Like, I'm still focused on solving problems, only now my problems are different. Now my problems are figuring out how to work from home and, and balance my work schedule with my husband's schedule and, and how to be enough for my kids in this time and and how to do the landscaping that we've always wanted to do but didn't have time to do until now we have time for it and making sure we have all the essentials we need and we've got plenty of food and that everything is clean and sanitized always and thinking of creative things to do with my kids other than sticking them in front of screens while maintaining my friendships and my work relationships because those are easy to fall to the wayside in the midst of all of this. And man, it's like on and on and on. I know I'm not the only one who's exhausted from all of that. Okay, it's time for some more self-reflection. Here's another question for you. What are the problems you're trying to solve on your own? Like right now, in your life, what are the things you're attempting to manage on your own? The things that you're convincing yourself, you got this, you can handle it. You can be the hero, you can fix it. Maybe a few come to mind to you. Share them in the chat. I bet other people will be able to relate. Could it be that we don't prioritize seeking God's presence because we'd rather try to solve all of these problems on our own than surrender them to God and seek Him for the solutions. Church, if we prioritize seeking God's presence instead of just striving to handle it all on our own, to handle life on our own, I bet some of the things we carry, some of the burdens, some of the problems we carry, they would resolve themselves. They are in God's presence. We don't seek God's presence because it's not a priority. But, you know, the second reason is because many of us feel like we don't even know how to do that. We don't know where to begin. Last week as I was preparing for this sermon, I reached out to a variety of people in my life and I asked them this question. 
how do you experience the presence of God? Like in a practical way, what does that look like in your day-to-day life? Side note, this would be a great conversation for you to talk about in your community groups this week or with your family around the dinner table. Here's a compilation of the answers I received. And many said that they experienced God most through things like being quiet, stillness, meditation, through music and worship, prayer, reading God's word. But they also said things like through being active and working out, being in nature, uh, through generosity and giving of their time and, and their energy and their resources, through serving. You know, it was encouraging for me to read through all of these responses because there was similarity and overlap, yet there was so much variety. One, one of my friends said, I have to get quiet. I have to be still. I, I, like, I can't, literally can't be doing anything else. Otherwise, I'm distracted. Whereas another one of my friends who has ADHD, they, they literally said the opposite. They said, I have to be moving. He said, I most often experience God when I'm doing long distance running. What that tells me is that experiencing God is not formulaic, like as much as we would wish it was at times, right? Just do these three things and there's your God experience. But it's not formulaic. The reality is God, he created you and he created me uniquely and differently. And so man, of course there are ways that I will experience God that are different from ways you will experience him. Fight the urge to look at the spiritual people in your life and, and, and just mimic the ways that they experience God. Instead, figure out, man, where you feel most alive and be aware of the fact that God's presence is already with you in that because he wired you that way. There's not just one way to practice the presence of God. One of the Psalms we read earlier is uh, Psalm 105, where David said in verse four, look to the Lord and his strength, seek his face always or seek his face continually. And, you know, I used to read this as like an obligation, like it's a command, seek God always, like seek him continually. And I'm like, man, how is that even possible? Like there's, that's not achievable. And then I, like a good Christian would feel so guilty for not doing it. But man, God isn't a naggy, needy friend who's making us feel bad for not spending enough time with him. No, church, like this isn't an obligation. It's an invitation. Are you listening? Like, did you hear what I said? Because this shift in our perspective, it will change everything. Seeking God's presence isn't an obligation. It's an invitation to seek God's face always. It means that we have the ability to seek God at any time, right? For everyone who's a follower of Jesus, Jesus tells us that we have the Holy Spirit of God living within us, abiding in us always. And so that means in any and every situation that you experience in life, God is available to you, waiting for you, wanting you to experience his presence in that. You don't need the perfect conditions. You don't need set parameters in order to encounter him. No, you just have to seek him right where you are in whatever you're doing. I have the ability to seek God's face 
continually. That means when I have an hour of peace and quiet in the morning and I can sit in the backyard with my coffee and listen to the birds chirp as I read my Bible, that never happens. But it also means I have that opportunity to encounter God's presence when I'm sitting at the dinner table with my family, when I'm driving in my car, when I'm hiding in the bathroom from my children. You know, for the past month, we haven't been able to experience other people in our usual ways, right? And so we're finding creative avenues to still maintain our human connectedness. Our, our recovery and support and community groups are all meeting via Zoom. Uh, I feel like every day I see a different like birthday parade that's happening for someone. We're, we're dropping off surprise meals or presents to friends' houses. I, there's teachers who are like literally setting up whiteboards outside of students' homes, uh, outside of their front door, so that they can walk a student through something that they're getting stuck on. Like it's. It's incredible how, how we innovate and think of new ways to maintain human connectedness. But you know, the same is true when it comes to our relationship with God. We may not be able to experience him right now in the ways that we used to. It's going to look different. That can't be a surprise to us. And so we need to get creative in finding new ways to connect with God in this unique season of our life. Seeking God's face continually, it invites me to learn how to incorporate God into this new, like, quarantined, working from home, along with my husband, mom of little kids who just bought a puppy season of my life. And you know, that invitation to seek God continually, it's extended to you as well. But you know, a question that comes up a lot when I talk with people about God's presence. It's one I've asked myself is, what do I do when I don't feel God's presence? Like, what do I do in those moments, those times, those sometimes long seasons where I am seeking God, but God doesn't feel close. Instead, God feels distant and absent and apathetic. King David experienced this too. And he talks about not feeling God's presence many times in the Psalms. Uh, in Psalm 13, David cries out, how long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? In Psalm 143, David says, answer me quickly, O Lord, my spirit fails. Do not hide your face from me or I will become like those who go down to the pit. And even David, a, a man who's described as after God's own heart, experienced these times, these seasons where God didn't feel close. And so the best advice that I have for you, if you don't feel God's presence, is to do exactly what David did and start by telling that to God. He can handle it. Be honest with where you're at. He wants to know that. But also, keep, keep in mind, allow your mind to remind you of the truth that your heart maybe doesn't feel in that moment. Right? Because feelings are just that, feelings. It's not necessarily truth. The truth is, just because I don't feel God's presence doesn't mean he is not present with me. Cling to that truth in those moments 
and then use that lack of feeling you might have, not as an excuse to stop seeking God, but as a reason to like lean in and pursue him even more. I'll close with this. Two of the people I reached out to last week as I was preparing this message were my grandma and grandpa uh, who live in St. Louis. And uh, they actually have been live streaming at Cornerstone services each weekend during the shelter in place. So hi, grandma. Hi, grandpa. I love you guys. And I want to share with you some of what my grandma shared with me when it comes to experiencing God's presence. She actually wrote it out by hand. And then she dropped the paper off at my sister's house so my sister could take a picture of it and text it to me. Like, seriously, you guys, my grandparents... They're just the greatest. Like, I'm going to have my sister mail that to me so I can treasure it forever. But I want to read you some of what she wrote. Grandma said this. The presence of God starts with faith. Believing what the word of God says. His presence is everywhere. He will never leave us or forsake us. Nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. Those are just a few scriptures that tell me his presence is always with me. When I do feel his presence, his awesomeness brings me to tears or to my knees when I could kneel. She's almost 85. When I don't feel his presence, I believe what the Bible says in Psalm 5.3, and I bring my request before God and I watch and wait. I don't need to feel his presence to believe that he's present in my life. And then she closes with this. It's about the love relationship we have since we received Christ as our Savior. The relationship with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit draws me to want a deeper love relationship with them. I believe it's a lifelong process. Holy Spirit, help me grandma. Man, if you talk to my grandma, my grandpa, if you talk to people who regularly spend time with Jesus, they don't do it because they feel guilty. They don't do it because they feel obligated to. I mean, yeah, sure, there's seasons of that, but it's short-lived. No, they have to spend time with God because they've experienced the transforming power of his love for them. They have to spend time with Jesus because they've experienced his goodness in their life. And that is what draws them into seeking after more and more of God's presence every single day. They just can't help it. And man, I want that. Don't you want that? I might not be able to give you a magic formula for how to experience God's presence daily, but I will encourage you to take one step this week towards seeking after God. And so my challenge for each and every single one of us is this. I want to challenge you to find a psalm that resonates with you and where you're at currently. Maybe it's a psalm of praise or thanksgiving. Maybe it's one of lament or sorrow. Find your psalm. And you know what? There's so many resources on the internet. Like just Google a psalm of and then like enter an emotion and you'll see a lot come up. 
you can find one that resonates with you and then just spend the week immersed in it. Like read it, pray it, sing it, memorize it, write it down, journal about it, draw it, rewrite it in your own words. Seek after God through it again and again and again and see how he shows himself to you. My prayer for you is that this week you will experience the presence of God in such new and tangible ways that you won't be able to help but seek after him more and more and more. I love you, church. I miss you so much. We'll see you soon.